superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers Podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berenday, and I am so excited to be here with Sherry Winston today. Um, she's one of my dream dream guest. So I'm just really thrilled that I get to interview her. We are going to be talking about unleashing your inner orgasmic goddess because yes, um, Sherry Winston is a holistic sexuality teacher. She is a groundbreaking award-winning author and teacher who offers empowering, entertaining erotic education for everyone. She's the author of the award-winning Women's Anatomy of Arousal, Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure, and Succulent Sex Craft, Your Hands-On Guide to Erotic Play and Practice. Sherry is also the founder of the Intimate Art Center, and I am so thrilled to have her with us here today. Welcome, Sherry. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here and chat with you about pleasure and orgasms and just some of our favorite topics I'm sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and before we launch into some of that yummy goodness I want to hear from you what are your superpowers well so when you when we set this up you asked that question I of course thought about it and the first thing I thought was well I can have these like really super outrageous orgasms but then I thought that's not my real superpower my real superpower is that I can help other people learn how to have them as well. And so that's what I'm going for. So super orgasm teacher is my yeah. superpower. That is such an amazing superpower. I mean, that's, I mean, really like that. Can you give someone a better gift than teaching them? It's, it's the whole like, you know, give a man a fish, teach him to fish kind of thing, right? Give a woman an orgasm. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know? <laughs> and she'll be happier for the rest of her life. Right, and healthier and uh-huh. all those things. I mean, orgasms yeah. are just like base, base level importance. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear how you came to this work. I mean, this is not like your average run-of-the-mill, you know, at your guidance counselor tells you when you're career coaching, this is what you're going to do with your life. Like, how did you end up? How did you end up? Yeah, I don't think anything I've ever done was would have been uh, advised. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, so I, st- well, I started out as an artist, actually, and then very quickly realized that, um, that I didn't have the drive and ambition to be a professional artist and, uh, and then became a massage therapist. So this was before I was 20. And um, and I was very drawn to the world of, of birth. And so I was um, studying pregnancy massage and I had a pregnant client who invited me to come to her home birth as a support person. And I went and, oh my gosh, it was like the heavens opened up and I was like, oh, I'm going to be a midwife. <laughs> it was really interesting amazing experience. So I became a childbirth educator. I started assisting and apprenticing with home birth midwives. And, um, and then uh, I wanted to be legal in New York state, which many, like many states, you have to be uh, a registered nurse. You have to have a bachelor's degree in nursing before you can go on to become a certified nurse midwife. So I did that. I jumped through all those hoops and um, became a you know, official certified nurse midwife and gynecology practitioner. 
and uh, and I did birth work for about 25 years. That was really the focus. And I was also teaching. I was also being a childbirth educator. And during the, the that first 10 years, so through my 20s, I was teaching my clients how to have awesome births. And so I was learning and then teaching things like how to use sound to help open you up and the connections between the mouth and the genitals and how to use visualization and um, uh, movement and touch, all these wonderful things to help women have really amazing births. And sometime around 30, I had another epiphany, another light bulb went off when I realized that I had unconsciously been using all of those techniques to have better and better sex. So I knew that my, my uh, arousal had gotten deeper and better and it was easier to have orgasms and I could have more of them and I could have them in more ways. So I was aware of that progress I had made in my orgasmic proficiency. Um, but I just thought, well, you know, everybody just gets better at this. This is just what happens. And, and like I said, around 30, suddenly I had the light bulb go off. It was like, no, it doesn't just happen. I've been training myself. So at that point, I said, well, well what would happen if I started learning this stuff on purpose? And then I started going to Tantra classes and Taoist sexuality classes and doing some studying with, a, with some Native American people and reading, um, you know, about... Uh, contemporary sexology and really studying sex. And at that point I thought that was for me, that was just for me to have better sex and, and my lover. Um, and yet what I found myself doing was bringing the things I learned in, in sex world back into birth world. Mm -hmm. And that, that was helping me be a better midwife. And I also really started to realize how the two worlds are actually just different parts of the same world. Um, and so about, um, I think getting out about 18 years ago now, I retired from birthing babies, got kind of burnt out on the hours and the politics and so forth. And, uh, and I was doing gynecology, working part-time doing gynecology, but really kind of going like, what's the next calling? Where's my next passion? Cause that's really always what I've followed. And at that point, I was teaching beyond childbirth classes. I was teaching what I called women craft classes, which were things like menstrual health and vaginal ecology, you know, the sorts of things I was telling my patients um, about in the office. So I started realizing all women need to know, you know, about the ecology of their vagina. So I was teaching those. And at that point, I added one class for women about how to have better orgasms. It was so much fun. You cannot imagine. It was so much fun. And then my guy friends said they wanted to come to that class. And I was like, no, you can't come to that class. That's just for women. And they're like, well, well we want to know. We want to know how to help our partners have amazing orgasms. So I was like, all right, I'll teach a class for guys about female sexuality. And so I added that one. And, oh, that was so much fun. And, um, and one class led to another, really, because once you start doing that and you start teaching everybody, about how to have better sex and then you start teaching realizing well then you need sexual communication and I started teaching that and, and it just kept expanding and it quickly became really clear to me that this was my next calling and that now I think of my 25 years in the world of birth and women's health as my apprenticeship 
for being a sex teacher. I came to be doing what I do. Mm, that's so beautiful. I, I love that arc of the story and thank you for sharing it. Um, you and I have a little bit of a similar, I didn't go as deep as you did in, in the, in the birth world, but I was studying midwifery and, and was a doula for a while before I came to this work. And it's true that they're, they're so interconnected. I mean, of course, what gets the baby in there is what's going to get the baby out too, but we don't seem to talk about that enough. I think in our culture, they're related. Sex and birth are related. <laughs> it's like this big secret. It's like this big dark <laughs> secret that actually birth is part of sex and sex is part of birth. Right. And even though the, the Western medical system has done its best to separate them, and it's actually been very effective right. at separating them um, to the point where when I tell people, oh, you know, I'm a holistic sexuality teacher. I say, I teach pleasure-centered sex ed for grown-ups. You know, most people will go like, whoa, <laughs> that's wacky <laughs> or interesting or scary or whatever. Um, and then they'll ask, how did you do that? Come to do that. And I said, well, I used to be a midwife. And most people will look so puzzled when I say that because uh -huh. there's just the, the culture we live in has done such a effective job of making people think the one thing has nothing to do with the other, which is why we have such appalling birth experiences in our culture and, and outcomes yeah uh, because yeah. people don't understand those connections it is kind of shocking you know yeah. on that i mean it's it's logical that they're connected right but, <laughs> but you're right the 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 current medical models done a really good job of of disassociating the two um, which I, we could go into that conversation, I'm sure, for hours with our with our shared background in the midwifery world. But that's okay. Maybe maybe we should have another conversation at yeah. some point where we talk yeah. about that because that's yeah. actually a topic that I'm very passionate about. Also, me too, and I think it's mm -hmm. it's a really valuable one. But today mm -hmm. we're talking about orgasms, and, and now that people want to hear more about that, um, we do have to go to a quick break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to dive deep into the topic of unleashing your inner orgasmic goddess. Um, and I just want to say before we go to break that Sherry's book, Women's Anatomy of Arousal, The Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure, this is like, in my humble opinion, the most important book on female sexuality that exists, that I have seen, that I've come across, period. If you have a woman's body or you like to pleasure a woman's body, this book is a book that you have to have. I've recommended it to so many people. Um, it's just, it's a book that you have to have, period. I'll end there. I could just say more about it, but I think it's, it's a, a pretty strong promotion for that book. It's, I mean, thank you for writing it. I think it's just so hugely valuable and important and the information shared in it is, it's like, there's so much information, but there's also so much fun in it and this beautiful artwork. And it's just like one of my favorite books. It's so good. Thank you. I'm yeah. very, very proud of it. Yeah. And as you related that it, um, it is that to you and, and to others because that certainly was the intention yeah. in putting it out there. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, okay, so we're going to go to break, but before we do, will you please tell people where they can find out more about you and your work? Sure. The easiest way is to go to my website, which is the, um, um, the URL is intimatearts.center.com, intimate, I-N-T-I-M-A-T, arts, A-R-T-S, 
Center, spelled the American way, C-E-N-T-E-R.com. You can find out lots more about me and online classes and books, and there's tons of blog posts and all kinds of stuff on there for you to um, enjoy and learn from. Awesome. All right. We've been talking with Sherry Winston about unleashing your inner orgasmic goddess. And when we come back, we're going to go into, you know, what are the main obstacles to orgasm and how to overcome them. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join in the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. All right, and we're back. Um, so I alluded before the break about what we were going to talk about. And I would really love to hear from you, Sherry, what are some of the main obstacles to orgasm? Because we can talk about, you know, all of the juiciness and the yumminess, but the reality is there's a lot of women for whom that's not an easily accessible world. And so I, and I'm all about, you know, we have to, we have to start at the root before we can get to the more expansion. And so if we're looking at the root, you know, what, what have you seen in, in your many, many years of work as some of the main obstacles to women being able to have these juicy, delicious, amazing orgasms? Well, there's a, a bunch of them. And I, I, I think that um, um, there's a few that are sort of the most significant, but like, I'd say the starting point is not understanding that orgasm is a learnable skill. And I, I think uh, people assume that when I was a baby, like the orgasm fairy just came and sprinkled <laughs> orgasm dust on me or something. But that's not the case. I actually learned how to have orgasms and then how to have different kinds and in different ways. And this was all learned skills. And so I think we need that reframe. We need to recognize that um, arousal and orgasm are skill sets that we can learn just like we might learn another language or how to play a sport or dance, any of those things. Um, Everyone can learn. Anyone can learn. You don't have to learn. It's optional. Uh, But if you haven't learned yet, there's nothing wrong with you. This sort of leads into number two, but a lot of people feel broken. They feel like there's something wrong with them and they just got shortchanged and uh, in the sexual pleasure department, and there's nothing they can do about it. And so going back to the, that first point is you can do, you can totally do something about it. Wherever you are in your journey of life, in your journey of learning, you can decide, hey, it's time I learned this and then set about learning it. Um, and I know it's not as easy. It's not like you can like, you know, go on the internet and, and uh, find lessons and how to have orgasms like you could how to play a piano or something um so it's not as easy to access but really the basics of learning how to be connected to yourself and how to like say play your own instrument um are accessible for everyone and that is really what i tried to give people 
in my books and courses. So number one, not knowing it's learnable. Um, number two, and there's so many, it's they're vying in my head for number two. Number two, I would say is the shame factor. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much shame around sex, around our bodies, our pleasure. Uh, so there's a lot of unlearning and relearning we might need to do mentally and emotionally, psychologically to really heal our foundational relationship, which is with ourselves. Um, so we've all incorporated all kinds of messages from our culture and our upbringing and traditions and institutions, our families, uh, our experiences, all of those things have created this sort of unique fingerprint that we have around our own sexuality. But it's not immutable, and uh, again, there's ways to learn and change those messages, especially the, the, the shame messages that really block us. Uh, number three, I would say, um, is really not understanding what our instrument is. And this is kind of the, the heart of women's anatomy of arousal, or probably really more like the crotch of the book, as it were. <laughs> uh, but women have this wonderful instrument and our anatomy books, our sex books, our, our teachers, our, our, our medical practitioners don't actually understand this whole set of equipment that we have, this, this pleasure equipment. And so it's like we're trying to play the piano, but we think there's only 22 keys. And I'm sitting here going, no, no, you've got 88 keys and foot pedals. Here they all are. <laughs> Learn what you've got, where it is, what it likes, and uh, then you can become fluent. Mm -hmm. uh, in with your own instrument and of course uh, that's the foundation for uh, being able to be uh, with a partner who may have the same instrument may have a different instrument um, but in, in helping them learn to give us pleasure uh, is understanding what we've got how it works and then we can teach someone else how to give us pleasure because nobody else is born knowing that either right. so yeah I mean I could go on we could just talk about the blocks for a long time. Um, but let's talk but, about... Well, well, let me just throw one more in. Okay. I, I, just, I can't not throw this one in, is that many of us have had trauma. Um, not uh, a, a non-insignificant number of people have been sexually traumatized in one way or another, and that uh, those experiences live in our body. And again, we can heal them, Yes, we can. But it's we got to do some work. We've got it, there's some there's some stuff that we've got to go through to get to the other side and heal that. So I just have to throw the can't can't ignore how significant the trauma is. Yeah, so. I, I would agree with you. I think it's a it's a huge obstacle for a lot of women. Um, you know, a lot of women kind of leave their bodies when that trauma originally happens, and so mm -hmm. the the process of reengaging with the body can bring up a lot. And I, mm -hmm. and I think it's really, I just, I really want to hammer this into our listeners that it is so possible to work through that trauma, but it is, it is a through, there's no like going around it. There's no getting to the other side without going through it. And um, yeah, that's true. And I, and I will just add, there's plenty of men who've experienced sexual absolutely. trauma as well. So, absolutely. you know, and I think this is uh this is also, we just, I just want to have to throw that in there that it's not just women. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. My mind is female focused because we're talking about unleashing the inner orgasmic goddess, but you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of men and I mean, that's a whole other podcast that I actually do want to do about circumcision eventually. Mm -hmm. That's really like the first sexual violation that men experience when they're little tiny babies. And and then we continue that we perpetuate this cycle of abuse and and they grow up to become abusers because they Mm -hmm. don't know how to how to navigate maybe what happened. Um, and of course, not every man who is circumcised becomes an abuser, but I think there's a, there's a piece there that, that it would behoove us to look at as a culture. Uh, well, that's another show we'll have to do. That's another show. <laughs> Back to orgasm. Back to orgasm. Okay, so, so we've identified the obstacles. What's, what's the way through them? I mean, it kind of inherent in identifying the obstacles is the path to the other side, I think, on a certain level, which is why I like to start there, because oftentimes the, the answer is in the question. Um, well, so let's, let's look at the, the, there's the learning piece, which is consciously setting out to learn. Because, you know, a lot of our learning around sex has been unconscious. And so it starts with really looking at your relationship to yourself and your sexuality and going, hmm, what's, what's really going on for me? Uh, is there trauma I need to heal? Uh, was there, um, you know, uh, family dynamics that are playing out in an ugly way for me? Um, um, do I have some really bad feelings about my body or my genitals in particular? So it's starting to identify that. Um, and then you can kind of focus your learning. You can go, well, um, I really want to reprogram this mental pattern I have of shaming myself. And then you can go, okay, so how do we do that? How do we reprogram the mind? Um, and then there's the, you know, the other piece, which is, and I think this is pretty pleasure-focused, at least for for me it is, and the way I recommend doing it is, which is about how do we play this instrument? Uh, I think everyone has uh, toolkits that we're born with of the, of the mind and the, and the heart and the body and the spirit, and, and uh, the different people will resonate with different of those tools. But, for example, we've got the body tools of breathing, sound, movement, touch. I think um, everyone can connect to those. Uh, mental tools like like the ability to uh, notice what we're aware of and what we're paying attention to or how to use our imaginations. Heart tools like love. How do we love ourselves? How do we really nurture and love ourselves uh, through our growth and learning process? And for some people, spiritual tools. How do we make this sacred? How do we bring in the tools of, say, ritual, for example? And so it's a matter of kind of noticing which one of which ones of those did you go like, oh yeah, oh I could I could play with my breathing and my sound and my and my movement, especially my pelvic floor muscles. That sounds really yummy. And other people might go like, ooh, it's sacred. Yeah, I could go down that path. That that speaks to me. And so starting with um, you know identifying where you want to begin, and then taking little steps, little steps, little steps, little steps. And um, sooner or later, you'll be in a very different place with your sexual learning. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think it really is a journey. It's not a not an overnight. I mean, sometimes it can be an overnight experience, but um, it's it's it builds on itself. It's a practice. 
to really to just like you know i love the analogy of learning how to play an instrument learning how Mm -hmm. to play you don't just pick up a guitar for the first time never having played it and be able to play arpeggios you know you have to to learn it's a that skill you have to practice yes and and you practice by yourself right before you'd expect to be great at playing duets for example right um as another piece of that and the other thing is even when you get um some skill even when you develop mastery you never really stop learning somebody who's a master musician never never is saying oh well i'm done learning i've got it all down now they're always going what else can i learn what else can i do with my instrument oh mm-hmm. listen to that kind of music oh wow that gives me a new idea you know so it's a it's an ongoing hopefully very pleasurable life experience that we have of ongoing learning and discovery and experimentation and and uh, finding more and more paths to pleasure. Absolutely. Now let's let's talk about this. You know, working with self before working with partner, because I think that's a you know, there's a lot of stuff just around the self love practice for a lot of women. You know, a lot of women's like, well, I I can hardly make the space to have sex with my partner, much less you know, with myself. And I would love to hear you speak to that a little bit. Well, so I think solo sex is foundational. So our, our relationship with ourselves is our true primary relationship, right? You're the, you're the only one you've been with all your life and you're going to be with all your life. So that's really your, your primary relationship is with self. And if you want to learn how to play your instrument and get skilled, that you do that by yourself. And so this idea that, uh, the idea, first of all, that if you have a partner, you don't need to have sex with yourself. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. You still have the opportunity in your solo sex to run experiments and take care of yourself and love yourself. And it has the benefits of you know, meditation, and aerobic exercise. So there's it's your self-care spa and your rehearsal studio and your experimental laboratory. You know, so your solo sex is so significant. And I, I can't sort of emphasize enough whether you're solo or partnered um, that solo sex is still a really important thing if you want to develop mastery, if that's part of your what you desire. Um, so solo sex is really key. And I think, by the way, I had somebody at a, uh, coach me at a workshop and say, oh, I took a class with you like 10 years ago. And there's one thing you said that just changed my life. And I'm like, cool, what was it? <laughs> and she said, you, instead of using the word masturbation, you use the word solo sex. And that just was this huge shift for me. And so I think that that's a, an important conceptual shift. It's, it's sex that we have, pleasure that we have, that's just us just about you, not about anybody else, not about anybody else's needs or wants or desires. This is all you, all for you, all about you. And uh, most of us don't have enough me time. So what a great way to get that um, Mm -hmm. through our solo practice. Yeah, I I remember hearing you um, at one point in one of your classes say something about the root of the word masturbation. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what it means? I don't. It means to pollute with your hand. Yeah, that's right. I was I was so blown away. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's our cultural shame around sex and around solo sex uh, to pollute with your hand. So I, I hate I didn't like the word anyway right. even before I knew that's what it meant. But then after but I, I found out what it meant, I'm like, ugh, yeah, using that word. Right. That's and not I, what I'm doing. <laughs> I think exactly, exactly. I th- and I think it's so important. I, I find the the root of words to be a really fascinating study, um, but especially in in this department to really have awareness of of our language and and so thank you for revolutionizing that you know for for that person and i'm sure for many others Mm -hmm. to call it solo sex instead of masturbation is really really important i think Mm -hmm. yeah i think so okay so if someone is listening to this and they're like i really I'm very curious. I want to get started on this practice. Like what are, what would you say are some of the, the first steps to really becoming like multi-orgasmic, like juicy female ejaculator? Say if we have like a scale of measurement, um, you know, like what would you suggest? Well, I, I will frame it as the, this learning journey we're on that, um, uh, you can think of their sort of levels. So there's sort of basic proficiency. And that means you've learned how to have an orgasm one way or another sooner or later. So you never are having sex with yourself or a partner and at the end going, God, I didn't come. Right? So that's the first level we want to reach. Like you're always going to know, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try this. Oh, that's not working so much. Well, let me try this other this other thing. So that's the first thing. So if you haven't yet gotten to that proficiency level, that might be where your focus goes in your solo sex play, is what what really works for me? What always works? Then once you find a path that works for you consistently, then you can start branching off that path and and creating additional pathways. And, uh, and letting partners in on what those, what those paths are for you. Um, so that's kind of a simple framework. Um, another thing that I think it's very useful is to actually not focus on orgasm to start with, but focus on arousal. I'm so glad you said that because I was just, you know, that's what was just coming up for me is we, we can often get stuck in this like goal-oriented process mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm doing this so that I have an orgasm and then you leave all this expectation and then just mm-hmm. that's not what happens and really like approaching it with curiosity. And that's what I, that's what I talk to my clients about, but I'm always just so curious to hear other people's perspectives on, especially yours. Mm. Yeah. So um, while we're in this sort of journey towards developing proficiency um, and yes, we'd love to get to that place where we have that skill set. Don't focus on that as your, as your main um, uh, intention. Focus on how to deepen your state of arousal. So uh, arousal is a trance state. It's an altered state of consciousness. And what we want to be able to do is enhance our trance. So we want to be able to get in that trance state, get in there deeper and, and wider and, and more fully. And so start with using the toolkits I talked about, the simplest thing is, is breathing. Uh, number two, I would say is sound. Number three is movement, particularly your pelvic floor muscles. So you might just want to start running some experiments 
again, your solo play is probably going to be the best time to run them, but you can run them during um, partner play as well. And just uh, run little experiments and notice what happens. The first experiment you might want to do is just uh, is actually a mind skill of awareness. Just notice as you go through your self-play, things like how you breathe, whether you make sound, whether you're doing any movement to enhance the experience. Uh, and you might come out of that and go, wow, I noticed that I really didn't make any sound. Uh, I noticed I kind of held my breath as I got more turned on. I noticed my pelvic floor muscles weren't doing anything. They're just hanging out. Um, so then you might want to, the next time you play is run an experiment. What happens if I just breathe more? If I just breathe a little bit bigger and deeper and, and really keep that moving? And then notice what happens. And you might go like, whoa, I had more pleasure. I got deeper into my arousal. It was easier to have a, uh, an orgasm. Um, that sort of thing. And the next time you might play with that more, you might, well, what happens if I breathe more slowly here in this journey? Or what happens if I breathe faster? Um, then you might start doing some experiments where you start making some sound. What happens if I make little pleasure sounds? So I start going, like, hmm, hmm, or oh. Oh, oh. And you don't have to, by the way, raise the roof or, you know, you might get to that, but you actually have this, this sort of innate soundtrack that got squelched. You know, we all got squelched as kids. We all got told to, to hush, shut up. Don't, don't, don't make noise, um, especially around sex. So, um, and as you start running those experiments, you'll start realizing that you're, you're doing these things kind of naturally. Now it gets more natural to take a deep breath and make a sound and pulse your pelvic floor muscles. And as you do that, you start getting more pleasure and more arousal and, and the orgasms will, will start to be um, easier to access. And then you add some more skills and some more techniques. And um, again, like learning to play the piano, you're, you, your body mind starts to learn and then you don't have to think about it anymore and you can go on and learn the next level of skill. Mm. Yeah, mm. beautiful. I love, you know, I really think that breath is like such a foundational piece to this work. And if there's one thing that, that someone listening, I would advise them to take away from this conversation. It's the power of your breathing when it comes to, when it comes to orgasmic work, I mean, so many people hold their breath and breath is what moves prana, what moves energy through our body and through our, through our whole energy system. And I think, I, I think there's, there's a little more powerful than, than really exploring the power of breath and what that can do to your sexual practice. I am with you on that. I think breath is not only the foundational body tool, but it's also the bridge between mind and body mm -hmm. because your respiratory system, I'm such an anatomy geek, <laughs> your respiratory system is the only system in your body innervated by both your autonomic nervous system, that's the autopilot, it's running your liver, it's running your heart, um, and the voluntary nervous system, that's the part that allows you to 
move your hand and reach for a glass of water. And every other system in your body is one or the other, except your respiratory system is both. Mm. So you're breathing right now. Everybody's breathing. Thank you very much. Thank you for keeping breathing. Um, good job. But you don't, you're not working. You're not making it happen. You're not thinking about it. Yet at any moment, you can suddenly go, I'm going to take a nice big deep breath. And you can go, and shift your breathing. And because of that overlap, it's the place where our conscious and unconscious overlaps. It's, it's the way we can change our state of consciousness. And that's why it's, it's the foundation of every mind-body discipline, of, of all sorts of spiritual practices, of meditation practices, of biofeedback, of you know, everything that's working in that intersection uh, between what we've separated out as the mind and the body. So breath is, is, I would agree with you, one of our most powerful, profound tools. And once you start playing with it and you see how powerful it is, um, we can become very adept at using it to enhance our trance without mm -hmm. having to think about it very much at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm also with you on the sound piece. I mean, I'm a singer and... I, I sound is very closely linked to breath and you're just, you're adding vibration to, to breath. Um, and sound is so powerful. I mean, it has the ability to break up physical matter. Um, it has the ability to, to break up blockages, energetic blockages in the body. And I mean, I've really turned to my own sexual practice as a healing practice at this point in my journey, my in my evolution with it, you know, I've journeyed for many, many years and a lot of these, these tracks of sexuality, but I've really come to it as just like such a deep, profoundly healing practice um, on, on multiple levels. Plus it's a really fun one too. <laughs> I know. I love sound. I love sound. I started using it way back when I started doing body work. So I was like 20 and I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but I just, I had this urge to get my clients to, to let sounds of pleasure and, you know, and moans and sighs and things escape. And I started experimenting, you know, talking to them first, obviously experimenting with sounding with them while I was doing body work. And then I had a really profound session. Uh, I'd gone to a workshop about sound and birth and, uh, this would happen to me all the time, but the very next birth I was at, it proved essential. I was at this birth and the woman had gone through the first part of labor, which is the cervix opening very quickly. It's the first baby, but she went really quick through that. And then with the second part where you have to move the baby down through the vagina and out, nothing for like two hours, nothing, no movement at all and the midwife didn't know what to do and was thinking we need to transfer and I said well you know it's just at this workshop <laughs> can I try something and everyone's like yeah so I put my fingers in the woman's vagina and during the next contraction what I felt was that during the contraction when she needed to be pushing the baby out she was tightening her vagina hmm. and so the, and the baby wasn't going to go anywhere because she was closing her vagina and she was pushing with a very closed, tight, soundless push. So she was doing that uh -huh. kind of pushing. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay, next push, let's try this. And I looked at her, you know, when women are in labor like that, you know, you're in this connected place and they yeah. will also pretty much do whatever you suggest. And so the next push 
we're going to make sound like this. We're going to go <laughs> like that. And she's like, okay. So I still have my fingers in her vagina. The next contraction comes and we make those open mouth, open throat sounds together. We're in each other's face. My fingers are in her vagina and she opens her mouth and her throat and her whole vagina opened like boom. Mm. And the baby moved down like, um, like a centimeter, like a, like a finger, like the knuckle of your first thumb, you know, like the first, the joint of your, I like this huge amount of movement in one push. And within a half hour, we had the baby out. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went, wow, that mouth and throat and, and the pelvis and all of the muscles down in the pelvic floor, that is really connected and sound is one of the great ways of opening both. And from then on, I was just like this huge proponent of, let's make noise. (laughs) (laughs) Which I then, you know, brought into my own sexual experience. I started realizing, oh my gosh, when I have sex, I don't make any noise. I was silent. I was, you know, 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 like many people um, was silent. And then I started experimenting with, with making sound and oh my gosh, sex got so much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's like, I think a lot of us don't make sound in our lives either. Mm -hmm. And, and so of course, in the, once we get into the bedroom, we're not making sound. It's like the the woman's voice has been so stifled, you know, sometimes get this image of like hands closing over a throat and really to be able to open that, you know, in our, in practice, in life, like if you get frustrated being able to, you know, like really vocalize, if you are excited being able to vocalize, just being able to use voice and sound in our daily life, I think makes it a lot easier to then once we're in the bedroom. I think, I think it can actually be a tall order to ask, to ask somebody to start experimenting with sound in the bedroom if they, ha- if they don't even use their voice in their daily life. I think that's absolutely true. And I, um, one of the suggestions I make to people is start making sounds of pleasure when you're doing other pleasurable things. You know, like you get in a hot shower in a cold morning, go, oh, right. Or you eat a piece of exquisite chocolate, go, mmm. And in classes, we sometimes do uh, practices like that, often with food, um, where um, we would, you know, eat some mango or something and and make sounds of pleasure Mm -hmm. and then move into other expanded pleasure sounds. Because again, once you start to liberate that, once you start to free your soundtrack of pleasure, it gets more and more accessible and bigger. And and those sounds of pleasure actually give you more pleasure. They literally turn your brain, the, the, the receiving part of your brain, the sensation, uh, they turn that on. So when you, and we'll do little exercises where, you know, you touch yourself without making any sound. You know, maybe you're just stroking your other hand, you know, with your eyes closed and tuning in. And then do it again. Just keep touching yourself with your hand, close your eyes, and start making little sounds and going, you know, like, mm-hmm. And there will be some people who can't do that, who aren't comfortable doing that. And I always say, that's okay. Um, Try it at home. You might be more comfortable doing it at home. You know, work up to it, play with it. Um, uh, But it is liberating. It is enhancing of pleasure. And um, 
and one day, if you if you keep it up, one day your your soundtrack of pleasure is just going to be there, and you're gonna. I remember, and this probably this probably took me like eight years to get there, but I remember, I guess, somewhere in my late twenties, having sex and look, kind of listening to myself and going, "Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. That just that is so sexy. That's so yummy. That's just coming out of." directly from the pleasure mm-hmm. and that was I, I was kind of like wow that took a while but look where I am of course I didn't have anybody guiding me so it, a lot of those things took me you know eight years or ten years instead of you know what could be a couple of weeks or a couple of months mm-hmm. yeah I'm I'm still waiting for the the research to confirm that making pleasure sounds like mm, when, when you're tasting delicious food is actually beneficial to digestion. Maybe the research is out there and I just haven't found it, but I'm totally convinced that it's like, you know, our body knows there's, there's a, there's an alignment there and, and to just to let these natural sounds come through, like we just need to be enjoying ourselves more. Huh? Right. I think that that's really true. I haven't seen that, but I have seen that if you smell your food before you eat it, you digest it better. Mm. So if you take the that time to kind of go, mm, you know, and just have these really enjoyable kind of smells of your food, um, your digestion system, it knows what's coming and it's more prepared to digest it. And so I, I, I think that makes perfect sense about the sounds of pleasure though. Yeah. yeah. I will. We yeah. could talk about this topic for a really long time and we are coming close to the end of our time. But before I let you go, is there anything that you feel like we haven't caught? I mean, there's so much that we haven't covered, but, <laughs> but if there's like one nugget, one pearl that you could leave our listeners with right now, what would it be? Well, I think I really want to encourage people to be um, playful and excited and creative in this journey. You know, it's not like, oh, it's so serious and, oh, there's another thing on my to-do list. But but to really uh, embrace this as a way of having more pleasure and fun and creativity and, and, um, you know, that that learning doesn't have to be this slog. And and, um, so I, I would just really encourage people to go, wow, this sounds like a really fun set of stuff to play with where where am I going to start playing what am I going to play with first uh and so that would be the the thing I would want to emphasize yeah I can affirm this is definitely the most um fun educational journey I've ever been on uh for sure well you know I think I think school gave us this idea that that learning is hard and it's work and it's not fun but think about how you learned when you were a little kid before, before you went to school and learned that you could fail and, you know, <laughs> that you got grades and all that stuff. When you were little, you would just, like, make up games, you know? You'd be like, let's, let's play fairies out in the woods. Maybe your friend would be like, well, I want to play pirates. And you'd be like, well, let's be pirate fairies. And you'd go make up games and, and just play creatively and have fun. And then if it wasn't fun, you'd be like, well, let's do something else. And you come up with the next fun thing to do. So approach it with that kind of innocence and playfulness that we all had when we were small, um, because really that's how learning 
was throughout most of the time humans have been here. I, we learned by playing, uh, you know, maybe imitating grown-ups, but we learned by, by playing and experimenting and being fun and creative. So that's how we're supposed to learn. So let's get rid of this idea that school is hard and learning sucks. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean sucks in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, so much, Sherry, for being on the show today. Um, again, you can find out more about Sherry's work if you go to intimateartscenter.com. Um, and please, please get her book if you don't already have it, Women's Anatomy of Arousal, The Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure. Also, Succulent Sexcraft is an amazing book. Um, I have found Women's Anatomy of Arousal to be a little bit more foundational and just like, mm-hmm. like everyone needs that book. Um, and I'll, I'll just mention it's also available as an audio book now. Awesome. Um, and I did the narration for it, which was so much fun. Uh, through Audible, which, you know, you got everything through Amazon. And also, we're just finishing up a Spanish translation. I am so um, excited to hear yeah. that because I have a few clients who I want to be able to give that to in Spanish. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're making it more available. Yay. Do you know when that's going to be out in Spanish? Well, we're, we're getting close. Um, I was hoping by the end of the year, but now I'm thinking uh, early next year. Uh-huh. But we're, my, my translation of this amazing translation team are doing a great job. And, uh, you know, they're, they're towards the end of the book. So I, I think we're, we're not too far off our ambitious and uh, optimistic target of the end of, of 2017. Ooh, very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you get on my email list, you'll certainly get announcements and you know special offers and whatever else we figure out to do <laughs> when we get it out there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for coming on the show today. And to all of our listeners, uh, until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.